Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Wherever you are listening to today's podcast at, welcome back to the End Zone Club, where we have conversation that's designed to keep you from just walking in potential to actually fulfilling your purpose today. I got another special guest in the building, but before I introduce him, I'd like to say, wherever you are listening to this at, like, share, rate, subscribe, help us to get this content out. Today, this is one of those episodes you don't want to miss. So with that said, I have a special guest in the building, none other than Mr. Kevin Nickerson. How you doing, my man? What's up, Anthony, man? How you doing, brother? Brother, I am blessed. And first of all, thank you for stepping on with us today. I'm I'm glad to to be here, man. I was glad when I got your message. <laughs> you know, it's it's so crazy because I am a fan of the NFL and sports period at heart. And over the years, of course, like most guys, I had aspirations of of playing in the league. Wasn't that good, but I still had aspirations. With that said, <laughs> a lot of what people see about the NFL is basically the cosmetics, the money the cars, those sorts of things. But there is also a spiritual component. Where do you come in with this? Man, I'm fortunate to be uh, one of 32 chaplains uh, in, the, in the NFL. Uh, so I serve as the spiritual leader or the spiritual guide for the Los Angeles Rams, man. And there's, there's 32 of us uh, in the league. Um, and yeah, that's, that's where I come in at. Now, I, I do want to rewind this a little bit because a lot of people don't know that there is a spiritual component to the game. Yeah. What is that like? Can you kind of take us behind the scenes on the day-to-day of what a chaplain does and, and just the preparation and the time and how all of that ties together? Yeah, well, just to keep it simple, it's like building a church. Uh, as, um, you know, if you led a church before or you look at your pastor that's in the pulpit every Sunday or Saturday, uh, that's what I do, man. I, I disciple players and, and their families. I um, We counsel couples. We marry people. By God's grace, we haven't had to bury anybody. Um, and I prepare messages. I lead Bible studies. Uh, and we do what we what we call chapel services, which is like, you know, a Sunday morning service without all the bells and whistles. You know, uh, we don't have a full band or anything like that. But, you know, we we come together, we pray together, we take communion together and we hear the word. So so that's what my responsibility is, is to care for our players uh, from the spiritual aspect. But I always take the approach of the whole person. It's just not the spiritual. It's it's the whole individual. I like that. Is I do want to know, is it a daunting task leading grown men that may have other options outside of the spiritual component? Man, yes, of course. I think it's, it's yes, it's difficult leading people, period. But let alone uh, millionaires, some of the richest people, in America, you know, uh, and you're trying to lead them and tell them that there is something uh, that's more important, more relevant than money, which is God, a relationship with God, you know. But fortunate for for me, uh, we have a I have a lot of 
good guys that understand that already and understand that that we can't serve two masters. We can't serve God and money. And so it's been a, a good run for us, my wife and I. I thank you for sharing that because my wife and I, we've been youth pastors for over 20 years. A lot of, a lot of ministry between us. I've served in uh, Birmingham, served in Mississippi now, work in the Memphis area. So I deal a lot with more with inner city kids. And just one thing I do notice sometimes when kids have options, sometimes keeping them motivated to see the task at hand is always a day-to-day thing. And that's what that's one of the reasons I asked you that. But moving forward in the conversation, I am curious, like, is being a chaplain something you always envision? Is it something that you fell into? Like, take me through that process of how you got to where you are now. Man, ministry wasn't even on my radar uh, for a long time. And I tell this story all the time when people ask how my wife and I met. Uh, but one of the things that she asked me was, what is your ministry? And I was like, I don't have no ministry. Ministry is what? Man, I'll play football and that's what I do, you know. But then I come to find out that football could be my ministry, right? And and so okay. uh, ministry was ministry was not a part of my my plan. Being a chaplain for an NFL team was like the furthest from my mind. But the opportunity presented itself and it was actually an opportunity that I was not looking for. Um Initially, I was just going to to help um, the chaplain that was supposed to be the chaplain for the Los Angeles Rams when they moved out here. And things kind of fell through with that individual. And then at that time, I was leading an organization, um, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I started, yeah, I started, uh, we started interviewing potential candidates for the the chaplain position uh i wanted to be a part around to help and to serve in any capacity that i wanted to but because of my role and my responsibility as the the uh the director of all of la county um it would have been a daunting task however uh just over that process because it was a quick process remember they moved from st louis to to la they did that in a matter of oh, a few yeah. months and so they needed to get all the Quick. pieces in place. And so everything happened fast. So we were doing the interviews and people were talking to to players and coaches and the, the upper brass of the organization. And uh, the, the day the day of the, the first preseason game in the Coliseum, our director of player engagement at the time, Leroy Glover, pulled me out of chapel and said, hey, man, yes, uh, sir. we want you to be be the chaplain for for the uh for the Los Angeles Rams and and I was like but what about my role and responsibility said don't worry about that we're going to figure that out um what about this individual yes he was fantastic but uh we want you to be our chaplain and so that's how I became the chaplain of the Los Angeles Rams the short story there too yeah, and that's a good, powerful story, honestly, because there are two things that really stood out. And the first one is that purpose prevails. And we'll get into that for a moment, because I heard you say that you were playing football. 
Yes. That's another conversation. And then the and then the second is the Bible talks about a man's gift yeah. makes room for him. Sometimes when, when it comes to potential and, and purpose and destiny, there are things that we are doing that, you know, maybe five years ago, we didn't even know this was an option. Mm -hmm. So let's rewind your highlight tape a little bit. You, you were talking about playing football and purpose and all these powerful words. What in your background prepared you for this moment? Like what prepared you for ministry? Man, I mean, that's a, that's a, I don't know if that's a tough question, but again, like me being in ministry is a total God thing. Uh, because my background, I'm born and raised in Kansas City, from the inner city of Kansas City, not from the suburbs. Mm -hmm. I'm from the city. I went to Kansas City Central High School, 3221, Indiana. Uh, if anybody knows okay. Kansas City, then they know that that's, you know, in the middle of the neighborhood. And so that's my background. And so, <laughs> you know, I was born and raised in church. I I knew of God, but you you know how it is, man. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't necessarily walk with God the way that I should have and and I could have for the early part of my years. And so my preparation in ministry probably came after I was called to ministry. Really, you know. Um, I encountered God powerfully when I was 22 years old, February 1st, 2003. Um, and then two years later, the call of God was on my life. Uh, and so preparation for ministry, maybe my life experiences, the things that I've encountered, the things that I've endured, the things that I've seen, some of the things that I've actually lived, actually plays a part in the way that I minister to our athletes, uh, whether they are NFL athletes, mm -hmm. high school, middle school, elementary, because again, uh, we all have different experiences. We all have similar paths and backgrounds. And so I just use my life experiences as uh, tools for my ministry, if that makes sense. I don't know if I answered the question. No, that makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense because you know something and not to cut you off, but something we have conversation about often is basically you can't have a message if you haven't been relatable in any areas. And I think a lot of what God brings us through ultimately gives us that audience that we speak through. And I think sometimes when we hide that or we don't share it or we don't think that it's going to be effective, it's like, man, that's it. That's your calling card. So I can definitely relate in just a couple of episodes. I was talking about the community I grew up in. You basically had one of four options. You were going to join one of the two major gangs. You were you might have had a kid out of wedlock or there was chances that at some point you were going to get in trouble because there wasn't a lot of positivity. There was positive people, but sometimes for kids, our perception is that the bad boys get all the girls or that. Um, well, that's true. The fat life early. is the way to get money. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah, but that's true early, you know, because that's true. The bad boys early, especially when we were in high school, middle school, man, they got all the girls, mm -hmm. man. You know, but at the end of the day, that's man, it. we always win. You know, we win. <laughs> And that's why my kids now probably think I'm square, but we have kind of seen where this goes. We know how it turns out. So it's not, it's not weird when we're presenting this idea that there is another way of living. Come on now. I love it, man. 
I get on my son all the time. I just told him this morning, I said, man, you think that I'm restricting you, man. No, I'm just giving you guidance and creating guidelines for you to walk to walk in, man, because God gave us a big old field to play in. Just don't just don't go out of bounds, you know? And so, you know, who the son says free is free indeed, man. There's freedom in Christ. There's not restrictions, there's freedom, you know. So anyway. Hey guys, this is basically Tisha from Basically Tisha. Listen, you guys will love my content. Please join me on Facebook.com forward slash basically Tisha or TikTok forward slash at basically Tisha. But that's that's growth within itself. And, and for you, I know you're mentioning having a son. This is completely off topic. But uh, were there a lot of fathers that were involved with, with sons where you were from? Or was it kind of a situation where um, if you had a dad, it was a luxury? Yeah, and I think that's that was my experience you know all of my closest friends uh were raised without their father in their homes you know and i was one of those guys i was raised without my father in my home so my friends all my friends most of them were raised without fathers in their home and and to be honest that the paradigm has shifted with my friends we're all husbands or we're all active in our children's lives and we're making it a point to do things a little bit different uh, than how we saw things done when we were being raised. And I have to shout you out for that because that is an epidemic that we have really been talking about more and more, which is preparing young men to become active in their churches and their homes, their communities. And you know, it, it really takes for them to hear men that are putting it in a positive light. I say this all the time. So I have quite a few kids, my wife and I, and I noticed with my girls from a young age, they celebrate their femininity mm -hmm. pretty quickly. Like I've got an 18 month old. She's already asking for my credit card. She has a purse. She likes playing with her baby dolls and she celebrates who she is. But sometimes with sons, I don't see that transition as quickly. So we have to have these conversations where young men are realizing that they do have a part in the balancing of the family and that they can play it well. So for you, what what um what clicked for you that made you say, you know what, this is who I'm gonna be and this is what I'm gonna play with my family? Oh man, really just the call of God on my life and, and my relationship with the Lord and understanding that I have a great responsibility of raising young people. I have four children, right? I have a wife that we've been married, we'll be married uh, for 18 years on January 22nd, which again, I haven't seen, I wasn't raised seeing a healthy marriage, right? I wasn't raised that way. And so I like to go against the grain. You know, when I played football, I was always cutting back. You know, I was always cutting back, trying to make the big play. And so I think it was just the relationship that I have with, with God and and understanding the role and really trying to provide the best that I can uh, for my children and for my wife that I didn't have, you know? And so I think that was the thing that drives me and and really just gave me purpose in my, in my marriage and also in my parenting. I just wanted to provide what, what I didn't see for my children. 
And thank you for sharing that because I think it gives a lot of people hope that, um, especially even if you didn't see, as you're saying, healthy relationships or fulfillment in that area, just knowing that if you're putting in the work and you're putting God first, that it's still possible, even if you are a first-generation leader. I could stay on this portion of the conversation for a long time, but I'm not going to hold your time. So I want to fast forward from where you come from to the Super Bowl moment. As a 49er fan, I do have to say it did hurt me that y'all had to beat us to get to the Super Bowl, but how big of a moment was that for you as a chaplain? Man, it was a great moment. It was a fantastic moment. And and so the funny thing <laughs> is, or not the funny thing is, but I, it is funny because I have uh, two of our dear friends, man, they're, they're diehard San Francisco fans and, you know, I'm going to be honest, the San Francisco 49ers, they, they've had our number the last couple of years, you know? Oh, and, and, you know, they talk all of that trash, and I just say this, you know, when it mattered the most, we did what we needed to do to get where we needed to get to. And we didn't fumble the bag when we got there. So, um, you know, all you 49er fans, you guys are amazing. I have a, a great respect for what you do and who you and who you guys are. <laughs> but it was a wonderful moment to be able to go to the Super Bowl and to be able to beat the 49ers in the process. So yes, it felt really good and it was a wonderful, wonderful feeling. <laughs> you know, that's honestly that wasn't what I wanted to hear, but I mean it's real. And I do have to say that was the first time that I got a chance to see your ministry on the forefront. It's crazy because I'm listening to your story. There's a lot of parallels between your experiences. Mine, I was sharing with you off air. You used to spend a lot of time in Kansas city and around 2014, I wanted to become a chaplain. So I started uh, dealing with the uh, university of Mississippi, Ole Miss. There was a chaplain there at the time on the Hugh freeze. And he turned me on to a lot of things, that portion but God kind of pivoted our ministry in a different direction where we became more in the youth pastor and we do uh, the youth pastor role and we do a lot in the community as a result. But anyway, with that said, I, I always like to end every episode. On Hold on one second note. though. Hold on one so, second. And uh, was the, was okay. the chaplain Jonathan Rainey at the time? Um, it was Jonathan Powell. Oh, okay, okay. I thought it was Jonathan Rainey. I was going to say he was there at Ole Miss at four time too. Sorry. I didn't mean to. And, um, so they, they, I think their structure was they had a head chaplain and then there were other guys that worked with them and some of the different auxiliaries, but John Powell was my main point of contact. Okay. 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 I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry, brother. You're, you're okay. You're okay. So like I said, we like to end every episode on a high note and, um, you, I got to bring it back up because you, you kind of lifted the Rams up and that stabbed me in my heart. But I do always like to ask every guest, if man were to be successful and create a time machine and we were to be able to send you back in time where you could minister to your younger self, what's a piece of advice that you would tell the younger you? Mm, that's a good question. What piece of advice would I tell your younger you? Chase your dreams. Uh, chase your dreams, man, and 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 really defy expectations. Really chase your dreams, and the reason why I say that is because uh, there were opportunities that I had, and I squandered them because I was afraid 
that I would fail. And now as I've gotten older, I know that failure is a part of success. And I would rather fail giving my best effort than not, than not trying at all and failing, if that makes sense. I would rather just go for what it is that I desire. Because it says when we commit our plans to the Lord, he'll give us the desires of our heart. And so, again, I was out of alignment younger. So I'm, if I'm talking to myself, number one, I would say be right with God and then chase your plans, chase your desires. Because if you're right with God, it says in God's word that God will give us the desires of our hearts. And so I think that's what I would tell my younger self. Be right with God. And get after your dreams, man. Chase them with all passion and relentlessness. That's what I would tell myself. And with that said, I'm going to appreciate you and thank you for your time. Um, I don't know what the offseason is like for a chaplain, but I'm pretty sure God has got some great things ahead for you. Oh, yes, man. Thank you so much for your time, Anthony, and, and inviting me to the show, man. Thank you. And, and and I would like again to segue even more on some other things because I, I like your spirit. I like just the testimony you've got. And I think um, you're an asset just for kingdom work. So, guys, with that said, this is another episode of the End Zone Club podcast. Again, be sure to like, share, rate, subscribe. Help us to get this content out. Our special guest today has walked with the size 22 shoe that you might not find anywhere else. So until next time, guys, be blessed. <laughs>